Welcome to the Safe Haven Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda. The Safe Haven Podcast is a space for you to be real, raw, emotional, vulnerable, hilarious, and or completely carefree. This podcast offers a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life in a judgment-free zone. Join me and my powerful guests as we dive into a variety of conversations and topics. Listen from where you are, as you are. Think, laugh, and cry along with us, whether you're in the car, in your kitchen, chasing your kids, running your business, caregiving for someone that you love, getting a mani-pedi, while you're in the hospital, a treatment center, sitting on the deck, on the dock, or out for a run. These weekly stories and messages will hit you right in the heart, fill up your cup, and recharge your spirits. Joining me today is one of my best friends. I've known her for a long time, since I was two. <laughs> my sister. My sister, Allison. We used to share a last name, but she had to go changing it on me. So now she's Allison Cox. So welcome, Al. Thank you. Yeah. So we are chilling out at Al and Joe's house, their little homestead. And so we always joke about how real things can get on the Safe Haven podcast when it comes to sounds. And I almost wish that the mic would pick up the sound of Diesel snoring on the couch because... Or Tubby snoring. (laughs) (laughs) One of Allison's multiple pets just making animal noises. If you're lucky, you'll hear something. Something, whether it's a chicken or a rabbit or the girls at work call me Snow White. So you never know what you're going to hear at our house or see. Yeah, so true. Actually, you could even start with that. It was so funny even when I got here today, listening to the chickens just cluck away. And Mufasa, the rooster, he just, he cock-a-doo-doos all day long. We joke that he is possibly from Australia because <laughs> his days are backwards. So when I get home, he starts. So at six o'clock, he starts cock-a-doodle-doing and he doesn't quit until he goes to bed. And he very rarely actually does it in the morning. But it seems to be either when I'm home or in the evenings. So he's he's clearly Australian or <laughs> <think> something. <laughs> yeah. He's pretty funny, eh? And he's like, he's so much smaller than some of the big hens. He's Mm -hmm. tiny, but he's got a big heart. He does, and he tries, and his spurs are really big, so that makes up for everything else. (laughs) It's funny, too, when you call them and they all come running down the driveway. Mm -hmm. It's like the best part of the day. It's a bad, obnoxious call that I'll never do in public. (laughs) So you're not going to give us a go? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) That, but much louder. (laughs) I know. I know. It's funny. We were talking um, a little while ago, but what is it about pets that make you talking like all of us and listeners can't even pretend that they don't do it it's about cute animals and pets that make us talk funny or come up with a different voice we all do it Mm -hmm. and then we give voices of what we think our pets would sound like if they spoke (laughs) and that's even better because our old senior dane she's nine and we think that she would be very high anxiety high stress (laughs) Uh, stuttered all the time, couldn't get her words out. And then when she's finally relaxed, she just wouldn't speak. She would just lay there comatose and then worry about the next thing that she was going to accomplish. <laughs> she's funny. She's aging. She's aging pretty well for a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's take your listeners or our listeners back to, well, Alice and I were discussing earlier, you know, well, what would people even want to talk about or what would people want to listen to? And really... Sometimes it's just so nice to listen to people just chit-chat about things that you don't know about them. And a lot of the listeners are going to know who you are. So that's kind of cool. And some people know your story, but a lot of people don't. So I think the fact that 
being with your high school sweetheart is really rare now, mm-hmm. right? Like people aren't in long lasting relationships as often as they used to be now. And mm-hmm. the fact that you and Je- you and Joe, Jesus, Joe, <laughs> I knew him before you did, but Joe, I got Jed on the brain because I'm watching The Bachelorette with Mama <laughs> and he's on our list of final contestants. <laughs> anyway, that was only just last night. So um, anyway, Joe, you guys met while I was on my exchange mm-hmm. and I'd known Joe since grade nine, but you met when you came into grade nine. So I was away on my exchange. Yeah. He was, I was interested in somebody else. He was interested in somebody else. And then our sweet friend, Heather, who is, we, I currently work with as well. She was friends with Joe and I was friends with Joe and she kind of put two and two together that hey, Joe, you're super cool, and hey, Allison, you're super cool, so I think you guys should hang out or at least meet each other. And at that point, he came onto my radar as this wild child that just (laughs) would run down the hallways as fast as he could, and everybody who went to Hell High is probably laughing because they can see him coming down the hallway, jumping over the cafeteria tables as if they're hurdles, uh, on his bike, running around outside, screaming at his friends, driving like a crazy idiot in the parking lot. Yeah. That's what I fell in love with. And that's what I noticed. And he stood out to me. And then when Heather brought him or brought me up to Joe, he started to pursue me. So we were kind of secretly pursuing each other at the same time. And then he, he started to call me into the hallway to go for walks around the square that is hell high. So oh, this do- is before cell phones. Yes, before cell phones. He did buy me my first cell phone so we could <laughs> T9 each other. It was one of... I remember that, the San blue, Yeah, blue flip phone. Um, kids will not understand the struggle of trying to just say hi. It was like 3-3... Three, three, no, <laughs> I can't even tell four, you what four. it is. Um, so then Mrs. Hurley, or Mrs. Thurley, bless her, bless her heart said she was my science teacher and she used to watch me get called out in the hallway and I used to lie and say just go to, like to the bathroom. By? Yeah, I'd see him go by and then I'd raise my <laughs> hand that I had to go to the washroom. So then we started to hang out and then he asked me to, it was a spring dance, I think, at the high school. So we got ready at a dear friend of mine, Ashley's house, and then he picked Ashley and I up. We went for a bit of a joy ride in his car. Was he driving the Malibu at that point? Yes, his mom's Malibu, <laughs> which has its own amount of stories that Tyler Box and Derek Carpenter and can all <laughs> giggle to. Uh, so he picked me up in the car. We went to the dance, and at that point, he oh and then his dancing styles that's another one everybody can giggle about is how joe danced on the dance floor i remember ripping up the dance floor with Mm -hmm. joe i think i even said that in your wedding speech about how like that kid can bust and move you still can yeah (laughs) it's the best part (laughs) Uh, so he i fell for his dance moves i fell for everything at that point and he after the dance was over he took me out into the parking lot and announced to everybody that I was his girlfriend and <laughs> it went from there he biked one night from Wilberforce to my parents house on Horseshoe Lake Road just for a kiss and drove all the way or rode his bike all the way back we were just smitten with each other and then he did the four credit course in high school so mm-hmm. he was coming and going and then he went he graduated and went to work for his dad and we worked through that long distance part of the relationship early 
and we made sure we saw each other on the weekends and as much as we could and then I went off when I graduated I went to college in Belleville at Loyalist College and he gave me a car so that I could come home every weekend to see him he came down as much as he could but I tried to convince him not to because those double single wide whatever they called mattresses where you have to get out to flip over and get back in yeah um so we worked through college seeing each other only on weekends and living at his mom's when I wasn't in school and living at his dad's when I wasn't in school and then when I graduated we kind of worked as quickly as we could and bought our first house which was 850 square feet of the cutest little house on a hill right across from a restaurant a view to die for Mm -hmm. right where we needed to be right where our lives needed to be at that moment and Mm -hmm. we just we worked didn't do many renos to that house we did a little bit of special eh yeah I love that house being able to clean a house in a half hour front to back top to bottom is a dream (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll compare and you know what one of my favorite things actually now is about the entryway of your house here yeah is that Al and Joe have this area rug, and I, I don't even know. All I know the, about the dimensions of that is that the front entryway in the house that we're in right now, that that rug touched the front of your three-seater and then the front of the love seat. It was our basically our entire living room in our potash house. Yeah. So to per- put things into perspective, I don't think we could ever get rid of that mat because it shows us just what we've what we've come from and mm-hmm. the space that we brought our family too Um, and then it was while we were in that home Joe started to work at a mine in Havelock and it was a fantastic job he really enjoyed it but he always had the final goal of doing his his own thing he's Mm -hmm. he's super handy he's super skilled he's super talented so he knew that he wanted to do his own thing eventually so it was just waiting for that perfect moment and we knew we wanted to build we knew we wanted to be in the wilderness somewhere and then we were given the opportunity to buy a piece of property on the Dino Road which is in between Torrey Hill and Cardiff so we bought our piece of property and then slowly started to plug away at it clearing brush there's a ton of people I have to thank for all of that Um, but in in the meantime we brought Kinley into our lives in the 850 square foot home Mm -hmm. my water broke at that home with her my (laughs) sweet dear friend Amanda Musso she was staying over with us that night because the boys were acting foolish at the hunt camp together so the girls stayed back and she had a little son at that point he was only three months old and I remember we left the camp my belly was tight we had laughed way too much I thought I just got to go to bed I had strict instructions from the boys at the camp, Al, do not have this baby this weekend. <laughs> this is their work bee weekend. You're not allowed to have the baby this weekend. And I told them I'd do my best. <laughs> I went home and laid in bed. And I guess I slept through most of the early stages of labor. But I woke up at 2 a.m. to my water breaking, ran to Amanda and her son sleeping in our guest room. And I said, Amanda, I think my water broke. And she said, What do you mean you think? And I said, Well, there's water from here to my bedroom and Diesel's cleaning it up off the floor. (laughs) (laughs) She said, okay, take this um, tea towel, shove it in your pants and I'll call Joe. And I said, okay. (laughs) So I stood there with a dish towel in my pants 
and she tried to get a hold of Joe, but they were sleeping and tried somebody else and they were sleeping. Finally, I called his his best man and dear friend, Jeremy, and I said, Jeremy, look, like I need Joe. And he said, don't worry, he's on his way. So Joe come barreling up the driveway in our truck and I jumped in the front seat and away we went down to Peterborough and on our way obviously we got pulled over by the police and because <laughs> Joe may have been going over the three digit mark and the police asked me if I needed an escort and I said no um, so at that point we got to the hospital Kinley came super quick she was a fantastic little baby right from the get-go Amanda came and I expected to be you know, bouncing on the yoga ball all day mm-hmm. and going through labor yeah. and having fun. But that was the fastest trip home from London I'd ever made. Because <laughs> I remember the boys calling me. Well, they the boys do this thing when they, they all get together and they just prank call everyone in the friggin' contact list. Mm-hmm. And I was obviously on that. And I had to get up the next day and I remember them calling me and calling me before I just said, guys, I love you. I think you're hilarious. But don't call me anymore. I got to get up early. Unless it's about Allison having a baby. And I remember a few hours had gone by and then my phone went off again. I went, those jerks. And I just let it ring. And then I immediately called Joe back. And I remember he goes, we're having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my God. So I was up and out of the house, showered in 11 minutes on the road. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting back home and mom was still in bed. And I was just revved up, jumping on mom's bed. Like, Al's having a baby. What are you still doing in bed? We got to go to Peterborough. But yeah, Kinley did come quick. It was like 9.50 something? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't in labor for very long. I remember when I, I could hear my sister's voice in the hallway and the doctor said that she couldn't come in because I was already pushing. So it was that quickly that the little, the little sweetheart came into our lives and made us mummies and daddies. And it was, it was a big day and it was one of the moments, you know, fellow moms and fellow dads listening that changes your life forever and we're so lucky to have to have Kinley in our lives now she's she's definitely a a blessing that's for sure and then it wasn't long after Kinley arrived that we decided that we would like to try and have another child and and, uh, and (laughs) um let's go back to when I found out I found out I was pregnant but then I got really sick, mm-hmm. like really sick. And I thought, okay, maybe this means it's a boy. But then I thought, no, because I think I'm going to die. <laughs> because I was working, I don't even remember where I was working. And I would come home and I would literally go straight to bed. I couldn't eat crackers. I couldn't drink water. I said, there's something different about this. And mm-hmm. I think that was probably a Thursday. And I think we had the ultrasound that Friday and we were holding hands in the car on the way to the ultrasound and Joe knew how much I was struggling and he said wouldn't it be funny if we were having twins and I I punched him right in the gut and I said don't you ever joke about something like that that's not funny and I even remember the corner we were going around on the way to Halliburton when I when I hit him and sure as shit we get into the ultrasound and they're not supposed to diagnose in an ultrasound and I'm laying there, Joe's standing behind the ultrasound technician holding Kinley, and his face starts to look funny. And I'm laying there and I can't see the screen. And then he gets really, really red. And at that point, I'm a tad concerned, but he's smirking at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the ultrasound technician looks at me, all super casual, like it's a twin pregnancy, and then just keeps going about his business. 
And Joe, Joe just about loses his mind and then leaves the room. And I'm... Well, because didn't didn't it say like F one or F two fetus one fetus two, and he had to Google yeah. what a fetus. <laughs> he he said that the screen came up and they were labeling fetus one, and then they brought up another little screen and started to label fetus two, and it was at that moment mm-hmm. that he wasn't quite sure what a fetus was. <laughs> so then I was crying because I just was in complete shock and awe, and what is happening to you? It's it's a shock. It's a lot to process in your brain. Mm-hmm. And so he left, so he had to go and call his mom. And then he come back in, and he's laughing at this point because he's just dumbfounded, and I'm still bawling. And so then they just wipe off your belly and just send you on your way as if there's nothing, nothing's happening to you. You're fine. So then I had to immediately go to see Dr. Coles. And I saw a friend of ours in the waiting room, and she asked me what was wrong, and I said I was having twins, so she held me. <laughs> called my mom she said fuck off and I said mom no I'm not lying I remember the same thing because I was in Australia when you found out and I knew that you'd had your ultrasound and I wanted to find out as much as I could and I remember you were kind of still in that very much that zone where you couldn't even believe what was happening and I called you and I just was like so how was your ultrasound you're like fine well how's the baby there's two of them It's all a great idea until they're in your womb and you're like, oh crap. Yeah, life. So then it was, it was a bit of a, not a panic at that point because they needed to figure out if both of the, if both of the babies were fine and if everybody was developing properly. And so I had to go to uh, Mount Sinai because in the initial ultrasound, they didn't detect a membrane between the two girls. So that means that they could have been mono-mono twins, which is one placenta, one amniotic sac. So then I was urged to go down to uh, Mount Sinai frequently to have the girls monitored. And it wasn't until I think the second ultrasound that they did detect that the girls were in their own sacs within the placenta. So they're mono-dye twins, still identical. Like one placenta, but two sacs. Yeah, yeah. So when your water breaks, technically I had two waters. Mm -hmm. Um, So then that was a long journey going through all of that. And before I knew that they were mono-dye twins, I had to take it very easy because if they're mono-mono twins, they can have issues wrapping the umbilical cord around each other or tying in knots and it can be very scary. So that was high stress very early on in my pregnancy with them. And then around 20 weeks, we found out that we were having two girls. And then, poor Joe. (laughs) It was a lot of, okay, we need another crib. We need another car seat. We need two of everything Mm -hmm. in 850 square feet. And we still have Kinley, who isn't even two. So it was was a lot to to take on. And I got laid off very early on in my pregnancy with the twins as well. So all of a sudden I'm at home now. Kinley no longer went to daycare. We had to just juggle all of that at one moment. And then I carried the girls 37 weeks, so full term for twins. I had a scheduled C-section and Aaliyah was born first, so she was baby A. And then tiny little baby B came along, that's Everly, and she, Aaliyah was taken to the NICU. She had trouble breathing and an issue with her lungs. I don't quite remember because there was a lot of drugs involved in that. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so she went to the NICU for a couple days. I had them on a Wednesday. We were home by the Friday night. We had help, thank gosh, from Joe's mom and stepdad and Joe's dad and stepmom. My parents were there, but they they had jobs to go back to. They had they had to go to work on Monday, as did Joe. So to have twins on a Wednesday and then Monday, ready or not, you're on your own. With three kids now. With three kids under two. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely a juggling act. I oh, had, that's right, because... And that's even the listeners that won't know that necessarily is that Kinley hadn't even turned two yet. No. The twins were born on September 10th and Kinley turned two on September 29th. Mm-hmm. So three babies in diapers, 850 square feet. I couldn't go to town on my own, but I did. <laughs> you know what? When you think of the space that you had in that house, you guys did it really well though. After Joe had put that bedroom on the end of the house mm-hmm. and the twins in that little room and then Kinley in the other, yep. you really utilized that space really well. Mm-hmm. It was cozy. It was definitely cozy. And I I know why people go from such large spaces to tiny homes just to be able to spend more quality time with their family for sure. Um, so then after, after the twins were born and we brought them home, I went back to work when they were almost a year old. And I couldn't have gone back to work without having Stacy, uh, a very, very dear friend of mine, lined up for daycare. And the girls just love her to death. Yeah. And I couldn't go comfortably back to work without knowing mm-hmm. that the kids were with somebody that I trust. Mm-hmm. And so that made it super, super easy. Joe was now doing his own thing at that point um, when I went back to work. And we built a home, an 1,800-square-foot home on the Dino Road. In and amongst all of that, it was uh, it was tough to watch your house be built and not be able to help. Um, You've certainly helped on the inside, though. Yeah, but watching other people paint your bedrooms and mm-hmm. watching other people do things that you would love to have helped with, but you couldn't because you're raising three kids, and mm-hmm. we were we had to move out of our potash house and into a rental home while we built so it was back and forth between the rental home and coming to visit daddy on the job site and him trying to work shift work and build our home Mm -hmm. and have time for us and that was 2015 the house was built in spring summer fall of 2015 Mm -hmm. yeah it was a long process we we were six months from uh the subfloor to living in it Mm mm-hmm and it, I, I, I love our home. I, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, we're 100% off-grid. We're a solar-powered home, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I love what we've created. I love what we built. The girls are off the beaten path. We're in the middle of nowhere. We have a view of a pond, and... Yeah, it's a I little bit I think a lot of, of people town, but... think that an off-grid home, it, it's... I think off-grid, a lot of people don't recognize that you would think that this is just a normal powered house. I think I think they're probably not so much now. I think that people are starting to understand what off-grid means now. But I think that there was such a common misunderstanding about what off-grid actually means. It's mm-hmm. almost like like mud floors. Yeah. <laughs> like This house is spectacular. It's yeah. so well done. And you would never know. Because everything works, unless it's like super shitty weather and you can't actually charge the 
the batteries properly using solar. You can just use a backup generator and charge them that way. Mm-hmm. People can't quite understand how I can have my hair done in the morning and live off off the grid. Yeah, I know. You have a hair straightener? Yeah. It's like, guys, it's a normal house. It's just powered differently. Yeah. Our appliances are propane, so that helps big time with our power usage and... Yeah, like Amanda said, if we if we require a little bit more power, we just turn our generator on, which is powered by propane. We have we have lots of little fridges. We mm-hmm. do as much laundry as everybody else does. When it's sunny, we just might do a little bit extra. Yeah, you'd have to with three mm-hmm. kids ripping around. And yeah. Joe, the and other Joe. kid. Yes, my largest child. Yeah. We have chickens. We're just a little happy little homestead on the dino road, the monster dino. It's the only road in Ontario that still has living dinosaurs. (laughs) The kids are convinced. (laughs) So what do you see happening next steps for this property in particular? Um, We like to do a little bit more landscaping. We recently enclosed our underneath the solar panel, under the solar panels to include the chicken coop and part of Joe's shop. We will be building a garage for him. He deserves the biggest man cave of his life because he needs somewhere to hide from three hormonal teenagers and and me (laughs) someday. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just landscaping. Uh, We have my in-laws. We're lucky enough that they have built beside us. They're also off-grid. Joe built their home last summer and they're fantastic the girls have their own little path over to grandma and grandpa's house it's a few hundred meters eh yep yep and the moose travel it quite often so we follow their tracks and i would say mostly just landscaping right now and then there's no real big plans for the for the property Mm -hmm. yet i want to plant a bigger garden i've started a garden so i can yeah, those planter boxes that they built are really nice. Mm-hmm. What are you going to plant in those? There's vegetables in them right now. And then eventually I want two more boxes to do fresh cut flowers or more vegetables or strawberries and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. someday I'd like to have a larger garden and do pumpkins because I have, I'm probably going to get the number wrong, 21 nieces and nephews, including our three, so less than that. Um, that if we had our own pumpkins, that the nieces and nephews could come to Aunt Al's and Uncle Joe's to get their pumpkins. That'd be neat. Mm-hmm. That'd be really neat. Where would you say that you get your interior design inspirations from? <laughs> Chip and Joanna Gaines, hands down. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Magnolia. That's uh, Joe and I would really like to go to the silos and the Magnolia Market in Waco, Texas for our 10-year anniversary just to, we, re- we really look up to them and what they've come from and what they've created and they're so successful and they started very similar to Joe and I and a lot of friends that I have that have high school sweethearts and have built from the ground up so we want to go and pay our respects and visit their business and support them because we really admire what they've done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think Joe's next steps are business-wise? He seems like we talked about how he's very much a yes man right now, but needs to be, and he is so successful right now. I guess maybe just chit-chat a bit about Joe. Even, you know, Joe working for the mine, and then that destroyed his back, and it was hard for him to always be away, and now he's just completely changed his game. It's been over a year now. Mm-hmm. Almost a year, it's a year and a half. 
Yeah, it was a big it was a big decision. It was a long time coming for him to make that decision to to quit the the mine. There was talk of the mine closing, and there still is. So it was a good decision for him to make. He has a huge support system behind him with uh, his dad being on his own as well and his grandfather so there's a ton of support that way with yes you can do it because we did it as well and we will help you Mm -hmm. so when he did decide to make the decision to leave the mine he started with just working alongside his dad and his brother-in-law joe and there's big joe and there's little joe so if i say joe they're I'm talking of two different ones. <laughs> Even though my Joe is now the big Joe, he's the little Joe in this situation. So little Joe and big Joe started to work together as well. My brother-in-law installs the ICF foam block basements. Mm-hmm. So they started to work a bit together and Joe's dad is a contractor. So he does snow removal. So Joe did that for the first full winter and then started to pick up roofing jobs here and there with his cousin and they hammered through a ton of roofs right from the get-go and the, mm-hmm. the cash flow kept them going even though roofing is is so hard on your body and so hard on him that he realized that he can't just solely do that even though he was he was passionate about the work and he's passionate about the, the money that it was providing for us. So then he looked he did his septic permits and septic qualifications and he so he has all that so he can do septics got a ton of work lined up for his summers digging basements and excavating and clearing trees and he's done a ton of work for Mm -hmm. other other friends that have their own businesses as well they've kind of paired up and scratched each other's backs per se and yeah and since then this has been his busiest summer he's got employees now he just bought a second truck so that he can have a snow removal truck and his own personal truck or his Sunday truck as he calls it. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's got staff. He's he's happy. He's busy. He can do. He can be on one job site and drop the boys off at another one and be confident with those boys and their ability to get the job done without him being around. And he's he's super successful. He's working all over the place he's in Kinesis Lake he's in Belleville he's in Goodrum he's in almost Aurelia he's all over the place Mm -hmm. and working from sun up to sundown and it has so much more him eh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he's always just been so fast create his own flexibility that's exactly it yeah Mm -hmm. he likes being busy and he's good at being busy he can't sit still and neither can his kids well think (laughs) of like the high school Joe that you fell in love with Mm mm-hmm it's just an older version of it, doing different things. He's not expending his energy. There's more muscle now to him, too. Right. Than before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Check him wing. Yeah. Joe's very skinny. Yeah. And now he's not so skinny, which is good. So yeah, people, they used to call him chicken wing because he was so skinny. Just a little bit of meat. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's doing great. He's loving his life right now. It's taking his toll on his body, which is fine. He makes sure that he... Keeps up with his massages and his well, yeah, because February was a bit scary. In February, mm-hmm. uh, well, he a few days prior to the actual main event here, he had had some kind of tingling in his legs, but he just didn't think much of it. And then he was outside trying to start the sled one day. Mm-hmm. You weren't here. The no. kids were inside. I just went to town. Yeah, and uh, he was trying to start the sled, and I guess a few pulls into it, he did he he slipped a disc. 
he completely collapsed onto the snowmobile at that point, and he had. Well, done he didn't this, know what had happened. No, he had done this prior two years ago mm-hmm. or a year ago. He had done this to his back, but he knew at that moment that it was much worse than it had mm-hmm. been before. And he couldn't move. No, he yeah. collapsed on top of the snowmobile, and it was just him at home with the girls. And I was in town, and for some reason, um, that only other forces will ever know his cousin drove up the driveway just he was in the air and he thought he'd stop by so he crested the hill in his truck and saw joe laying on the snowmobile bear hugged him into the house and laid him onto the floor and usually or previously when this had happened laying on the floor on a hard surface for a day or two is all he needs to recover and then get to see a chiropractor and have a massage and that kind of thing can bring him around so he was on the floor when i got home we had to cancel our plans for that afternoon. He, I was lining up massages. Amanda was helping me find anybody was who was available because it was Easter. Wasn't it a Sunday? It was the Easter weekend, wasn't yeah. it? So everybody was busy. And so at that point, oh, he... Oh, it wasn't Easter. No, no, no. It was February. Family Day weekend. Family Day weekend. That's it. I was like, Easter? No, no. Yeah. Family Day weekend. So then my father-in-law came over and helped me to kind of bear hug and carry Joe to the washroom because he needed to go to the washroom, but he couldn't bear any weight on his legs at all. Mm-hmm. So after that, we got him into bed and he laid in the bed and I just went about my regular day and got housework done and that kind of thing. And he texted me and he said, I think I need to get onto the floor. So I went into the house and I said, okay, well, I can help you get on the floor, but how do you want to, to go about this? So I ended up on my hands and knees beside him laying on the bed and he hugged my torso as tight as he could and I kind of did the reverse push-up and slowly lowered him to the floor bearing all his weight on my on me and slowly lowering him to the floor and it was at that moment that something shifted and his entire body started to tremor Mm -hmm. and his jaw was shaking and he was crying and Mm -hmm. he said something's different you got to call Eric who's my father-in-law that lives next door. He says, you have to call Eric. You have to call Eric. Something's different and I need to go to the hospital. And I said, okay, I'm not, I'm not touching you again. You're not going anywhere. I'm, I'm done. I'm not touching you anymore. So then I called Eric. Eric came over and he said, well, I'm not touching him either. We're calling the ambulance. So the ambulance came in and loaded him up onto the backboard. We drove to the emergency room in Halliburton. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're going to give you enough drugs that you walk out of here. And that's exactly what they did is they just doped him up. It took like six hours. Yeah. To slowly, he was, he came in flat on the backboard and they slowly started to to take the backboard out and then slowly raise the head of the bed every half hour. So they'd bring it up no matter how, how much he cried or how much pain he was in. They just slowly rose the bed, rose the bed, rose the Mm -hmm. bed. And then he had to leave. He had to walk out. And it ended up being that he had a balding disc in the lower part of his back. Mm -hmm. And through physiotherapy and a ton of stretching, which he still does to this day, religiously, every night before bed, he gets into bed and doesn't want to do it. And I make him do it because we can't... His body's his work. Yeah, and we can't afford to have him do that to us again. (laughs) Well, it also, was he, scary. Was, he was freaking out even more. Both of you were at that point because you had your March break trip planned to Cuba. Mm-hmm. We were going to Cuba very soon after that. And I said, well, I'm still going. So <laughs> yeah. you need to figure out what you're doing because I'm going. Yeah. 
so it was religious stretching and chiropractors twice a week and massages twice a week and physio twice a week and he he can now successfully put both his feet up the wall which is really really exciting if you've ever recovered from anything to do with your back he could barely put one foot up the wall like his heel on the wall at all he couldn't do that his and hamstrings now he are can so get, tight yeah now he can get both feet up as well and it up the wall and his bum can almost touch the wall Mm -hmm. so anybody who does that same line of work please stretch please (laughs) keep an eye on your back because it'll go at a moment's notice doing something as simple as starting a snowmobile Mm -hmm. Um, so then after he did all of his homework that he had we we went to Cuba and his back was fine and that was the first time Joe had ever been on a plane yep 30 years yep. old, first yep. time on a plane. Big boy got a passport and he went on an airplane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he experienced all inclusive. And he was in bed very early on the first night. Yep, yep. Time stamped at about 25 after 6. <laughs> well, because they greet you with drinks when you get there. Yes. And so Joel's like, hey! On the bus. <laughs> yeah. You guys had a blast, though. Yeah, it was awesome. Highly recommended traveling in large groups of people. It was awesome. Kale Coco Cuba was was very nice to us. <laughs> yeah. And that your first time away, well, yeah. on a vacation, mm-hmm. like you guys had been away um, hunting and stuff. You'd gone up north for a week or two, but you'd never been away somewhere hot together. No, we never had a honeymoon. We went to, well, we went to Algonquin Park in the trailer with a cat. You had so, Pee Wee? Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. Yep. He came on our honeymoon, his litter box and him. Pee-wee himself has had, what, how many names? He came with Keith, because he was yep. a rescue. Yep. And then he went to Pee-wee. Pee-wee, and then he was Tubby, because he's very large. Tubby, and then he's been Charles, because oh, yeah. he's getting older. Um, I think that's it. He's just Tubby, though. And he listens to all of them, which is the best part. <laughs> he's such a funny-looking <laughs> cat. He's got the tops of his ears frozen off <laughs> because. That was at the potash home, too. <laughs> the little <laughs> shit. One night, okay, 850 square feet, when your cat is stretching their legs or whatever they do in the wee hours of the morning when they run as fast as they can, an 850 square feet is really loud, and it wakes babies up. So I had had it one night, and the twins were had woken up and were just back to sleep, and he ran across the house again. So I just, I rolled over and I said, Joe, I've had enough of this fucking cat. And away he went. I threw him out the door and I shut the door and I had zero sympathy for the cat at that point. 30 days later. A week went by and I was like, oh, it's been a little bit cold outside. If anybody remembers, what was it? Like three or four winters ago, it was really, really cold for like three weeks. Well, those were the three weeks that Tubby went and ran away. And I, I thought, okay, he's, he's gone. He has to be gone. And then we'd see little footprints outside. Okay, he's still around. And then the one day I saw a little bit of blood and I was like, okay, maybe maybe he is gone. And then I was starting to get quite concerned because <laughs> I kept seeing the footprints, but I was never seeing the cat or hearing the cat. And if I call him, he always meows at me. So the one day I was filling the wood stove and I heard a meow. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I looked immediately down and in between the wooden slats of the deck, I could see white and black. Every pet we own is white and black, by the way. So there was this white and black. And I was like, there's this stupid idiot. He's under the deck. <laughs> and 
And so then I instantly go into like homes on homes mode and I got the drill and I'm trying to take the deck apart and the babies are inside. I think Kinley was awake at that point. So you're trying to schedule all this deck maintenance while your kids are either eating or crawling or whatever. But he wouldn't come out at that point. So I started to get quite upset because I knew he'd been outside and I knew he hadn't been fed and I knew it was really, really cold, but I couldn't understand why he wouldn't come out. Turns out he was frostbitten to the ground. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> Poor baby. He just couldn't physically move. He wanted to, but he couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I just, I called Joe and I was in hysterics. I can't get the cat. I can see him, but he won't come out. Joe said, well, what are you doing? I said, I got, I'm trying to get the deck apart. And he's like, stop trying to take the deck apart. <laughs> So then I just kept dropping cat treats in between the slats of the deck, hoping that he could reach them, but they were bouncing too far. And then I don't know what happened, whether he got a burst of energy or something, but then I, I went out to open the front door and he just super casually just walks in the front door like, hey guys, what you, what's going on here? <laughs> Do you like how much weight I've lost? <laughs> and then his ears, remember the top of his ears oh, eventually flaked off? They started off. to get curled. Because it's so hot in our potash house. It was they so tropical. To curl. And then I was like, well, that's different. I wonder what's wrong with his ears. And then they started to get a little bit firm. And then I remember the one night he was sitting, he always sleeps in the back of the love seat, and that's the dog's couch. And he just shook his head like a normal cat does. Well, his ear went flying across the room <laughs> and landed on the floor. And at that point, you think, what am I, do I pick it up? Do I throw it out? <laughs> Do you keep it like a mom keeps a tooth? <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I picked it up, threw it in the wood stove, called Joe, laughing my head off. Okay, Peely has one ear now. <laughs> like, they didn't frostbite the tips off. Like, he lost a good inch of ear. Oh, yeah. He's much faster now, aerodynamic. His, um, his head does look kind of flat with these little boxy oh, things sticking gross. in. gross. I feel bad when he's outside in the rain. <laughs> Poor baby. So then my mother-in-law came over and she was looking after the kids the one night. And I we came home and she says, I didn't know if he wanted to keep this or not. And sure as shit, she has the other ear sitting on the nightstand on a Kleenex. And I was like, I'm out. <laughs> like, you kept that? She goes, I, didn't think, I thought you might want to keep it. That's so gross. that went in the garbage too. And then, yeah, Tubby has, he has, I don't know how many lives he has. He pissed me off again. A month or so later, and I put him on Facebook for sale <laughs> free before to- the mom swap existed. I just Wasn't it free or selling him. It was just like here. Yeah, just this. take him to a good home. He's being a dick, and some girl from Madawaska seemed super nice. All of her profile pictures were somewhat normal. I thought, okay, we can do this. So I drove him all the way up to Madawaska. She opens the door. She's something out of the Hills Have Eyes, Hills Have Eyes, whatever that movie is. Yeah. She has blue hair, three teeth. I was like, um, <laughs> looks, I remember she you calling nice. me. You're like, I don't think I should have yeah. left him. I feel really bad. So I handed her, handed Tubby to her, and I just hope for the best. And he jumped out of her arms, ran up their stairs, hid under the bed. A week later, I hadn't slept. In a week, she emails me and says, oh, just so you know, my landlord will no longer let me have pets, so you have to come back and get him. I dropped what I was doing, and I went to get him as soon as I could. Oh. And he was still under the same bed that he was when I dropped him off. 
So then he came home. And then when we moved into this house, there was a mouse problem. So Joe said, okay, we'll we'll bring Tubby up to the house. Before we move in, he'll clean out the mice. And then when we move in, we'll be good to go. Well, he took off. (laughs) And he was gone for three weeks, I think. And then Joe was putting siding on the house, I believe. And our neighbor, we call him Big Chuck, but his name's Chuck. And he come down the driveway and he said, do you guys have a female black and white cat with no ears? And Joe was like, nope. Because <laughs> he didn't want anything to do with the with Tubby at that point. And I ran outside and I was like, yes, and it's a boy, not a girl. <laughs> so he says, well, he's under my deck and I've been feeding him dog food. And I was like, okay, well, if you can get a hold of him, bring him back or I can come up. But an hour later, his wife comes down holding Tubby in the front seat and the smile on that stupid cat's face like, I did it again. (laughs) And he now does not stray far from the deck. Mm -hmm. He has learned his multiple lessons. He's also doubled in size. Oh, he's like a truck. He's He's a big boy. And he's obsessed with uh, a freshly flushed toilet. (laughs) (laughs) It's so weird, eh? Because he like, it's almost like he waddles up to it. And then, like, stands up, puts his paws up, and then has to, like, heave his ribcage and his gut over it and then yeah. bend into it. Yeah. It's quite a visual. And he drinks quite a bit of it, too. <laughs> and it it's doesn't matter how many times you flush it, he will come running down the hallway. It's freshly flushed. He doesn't care. It's like, where's Tubby? Flush a toilet. Yeah, exactly. Put a box on the floor and you catch Tinkerbell, flush a toilet, and you'll catch a Tubby. It's disgusting. <laughs> You've got great pets. And then there's Pig. That's enough said. <laughs> yeah, because you had Tubby, Keith, whatever, Charles. So Tubby. Oh, and then remember when you got, well, Diesel you had first. Mm-hmm. Diesel has been, Diesel's just turned nine. Yep. Yep. She was at your wedding. She walked down the aisle at your she wedding. my flower girl. Yeah. That was also a great day. I sweat in places I didn't that know existed that day. It was really hot. It was like <laughs> stupid hot, eh? And remember, okay, this is funny too. Squirrel brain just kicked in. I forgot what I was talking about, but now I'm on to the Oasis Balls of the, the flowers that you mm. had that were supposed to be your bouquets. Yep. So picture something that's maybe the size of a volleyball. Yeah. About that. A yep. cantaloupe or something. And so Allison had these beautiful images that she had sent to the florist saying, I want these flower balls, thinking that the ball of Oasis might be the size of a baseball mm-hmm. and that they would sprout out from that mm-hmm. with straws or something, right? <laughs> to give it the shape. No. 30 pound balls of... <laughs> oh, and then I was the maid of honor and had to hold both yours and the other one. And I just remember... They were heavy. Oh my God, they, they all were heavy. broke by the end of the day. Because then you had those shepherd hook things mm-hmm. that you were actually going to be hanging them on and you had this perfect visual about how those were going to be lined up by the table. Nah, because those they, just... They all broke. <laughs> they all broke and bent. Mm-hmm. Still a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. Very hot. Nice and warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good day. I forget what I was talking about. Typical. That's but right. but I do remember that I wanted to go back to, um, well, I was away when you had the twins. Mm-hmm. I was in Australia. And then I came back in February of 2015. So I got to see the twins when they were five months old. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember I spent as much time at the Potash house as I could at that point because I just had to eat it all up, right? Mm-hmm. All of the time that I could with the girls. And... There were a few times as Allison started to get more comfortable, you know, leaving the girls or as the girls got a little bit older that she could actually do some things on her own. And there's two things that I, that make me think of a day in the life of what you would have had to deal with. 
And the one of them actually was at mum and dad's. I don't remember where you were. You must have gone somewhere because I, I was mum and I and the three girls and mum had had her shift. So it was my shift with the twins and Aaliyah, um, you know, with her palate issues and she often had mm-hmm. little residues running through her nose and down her nose and would kind of spit up through her nose. And so I remember this one day I was sitting kind of cross-legged on the floor and I had the girls in between my legs and they had different kinds of bottles because of um, Aaliyah's palate. So then they were a bit cranky and I remember trying to like, you know, rock them to sleep and or, you know, feed them bottles. They eventually Mm -hmm. took the bottles and were fine. I'm kind of like shaking my thighs and my legs (laughs) to try and like rock them to sleep with their bottles. And then I remember carrying them downstairs because it was dark and quiet downstairs. So I had like a baby under each arm with their heads in my hands. I had soothers on my mm-hmm. fi- baby fingers. I had the bottles out of my mouth, one from each side of my mouth. A blanket over each shoulder, exactly. And I remember going down the stairs and then it was like Everly down, Aaliyah down, bottle, bottle, you know, let the blankets just like mm-hmm. shake them off your shoulders. And then the legs start going again and then you get them both to sleep and then soother, soother. Crib, crib. Oh my gosh. And I went, how does this woman do this? Mm-hmm. And then you got to worry about the toddler upstairs ripping around. Mm-hmm. Oh that's boy. The, that's a little side story. <laughs> yeah. Holy. Yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> remember when, again, it, this is actually now the potash house when, uh, Kinley was potty training. Mm-hmm. So she was ripping around in just a t-shirt. Yep. And I had the twins. Well, you were kind of just like, you know what? I'm just going to vacuum tidy up a little bit. And so I was feeding the twins bottles and Kinley's yet tearing around music, country music blaring. You're in the kitchen vacuuming and Diesel, the pig, had eaten a pound of butter that you dropped on the floor from baking previously that day and had also eaten what you thought would be bird food by putting those old stale hamburger buns on the tree. So she'd had a really good treat. Yep. And then Diesel barfed. And could have filled a hula hoop. Yep. Great Dane barf. It's massive. Humongous. <laughs> and so Allison was freaking out in the kitchen. And I didn't know what had happened until I looked over and went, and it's almost like when Danes are embarrassed or something like that, they hang their head really low and they look out of the top of their eyes like, oh my yeah. God. And she's standing over this massive pile of barf. And then Kinley was in the living room with me. So when she heard you freaking out, she, and you called her maybe to see where she was. Mm-hmm. Cause then she came ripping around the corner and like, stepped in it feet up in the air smacked down into it yep right on her back like she levitated (laughs) straight she was completely horizontal in the air yeah and landed smack dab in the pile of starfish it went four feet up the walls there was vomit everywhere and I remember Alice and I making eye contact and it was almost like we we just had to laugh about it because Mm -hmm. what could you do and then I was like, I got Kinley. Yeah, you're like, okay, I got this barf. So I remember picking up, Kin- Kinley was wailing. Mm-hmm. And I remember, gross, warm, like, what? dog barf. And she'd hurt her head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember grabbing her hands and just like taking her right to the tub and trying to rinse her off. And it's okay, baby. It's okay. It's okay. And then we were like, oh, right. We have got twin babies. So oh, yeah. The other two. <laughs> and then because Everly was lying on her back face up and Aaliyah had rolled. They were rolling at that point. And when... Because I, I guess, I didn't even remember if I had time. I wouldn't have even had time to burp them. It was just like... That's probably why. She sneezed or spit up or something like that out of her nose. But because she'd rolled over top of Everly's face, she'd sneezed all over Everly's face. 
There's vomit all over that baby. Kinley's covered in dog puke. There's dog puke four feet up the, my walls of my kitchen. And you just you just go, yep, yep, it is what it is. You got it. Add the two more babies to the bathtub and threaten to shoot the dog again. <laughs> She's put you guys through a lot too. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So on those most cha- well, you've had a lot of chaotic days, and really now the girls are at such a beautiful stage. Mm-hmm. They're at a really good stage. So Kinley's going to be seven in September, and the twins are going to be five, and they're into school. Well, obviously you know summer, so they're super stoked about summer. But when you think about, they're just you've done such a great job, and they're just Thanks. such self-sufficient little ninnies now. You know, mm-hmm. you've got their snacks so strategically placed around the house that they are at their eye level and grabbing level that they can grab them and they're so polite and they're at that age too where their imaginations are on fire mm-hmm. and they can just play with one another yeah yeah they love to play family they love to play kitchen they love to play garage sale is their new favorite one they each set up their own little garage sale station in the house and they have open and close signs and they sell their things that's hilarious <laughs> oh that's just in their brain from last weekend yep they they play outside with the chickens. They're on the trampoline. They're running back and forth to grandma and grandpa's. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they've got huge imaginations. Our TV is not on very often. We don't encourage iPad time. They don't have cell phones. They don't... Yeah. If they need something to do, they find something to do. And mm-hmm. they create something. Mm-hmm. And that's where that teamwork and that consistency mm-hmm. between you and Joe is so incredible. And that's why you guys have just been such a successful team parenting. Because... Your values are identical Mm -hmm. for that big time. Yeah. So when life gets wild and chaotic and busy and your combo of like morning, you're up, you're at it, you're breakfast, lunching, trying to get ready for work. And then you pile into the vehicle and you drop the kids off at daycare and then you go onwards to work and then have a full day at work and then pick the kids up on your way home. And then you add just chaoses of things that come your way. How do you reset? How do you recenter? Uh, I would say if it's Monday to Friday, we have a very, very strict routine so that we can get through our days successfully. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as the kids are in bed, Joe and I both to unwind. And what we really need during that like Monday to Friday is we just go to our room and we lay in bed and we talk or we sit outside and we talk now that it's a little bit warmer outside, but it's just... Like by 7.30, we're just, it's downtime. It's, Mm -hmm. we're not continuing to do laundry. We're not continuing to do housework. Everything is done by 7.30 because he needs the rest for his body for the next day. Mm -hmm. My brain needs a rest. It's, it's constantly on go mode all day long. And if, if that's us scrolling through social media or watching funny videos together or just doing something quiet in the comfort of our bedroom, that's what that's what we look for. Um, if it's a weekend and it's very chaotic, you can nine times out of ten find me in the kitchen. If I'm if I've had a long week, if it's been a long day, mm-hmm. if it's raining and I'm just overwhelmed, I I bake, I cook, I chill in the kitchen, I turn up the music. The kids help me in the kitchen. Um, I really enjoy spending out time spending time outside. Mm-hmm. with the chickens mm-hmm. well, <laughs> running around you've got the your yard gardens and stuff. Yeah, picking away at gardens and just cleaning the chicken coop and just being just being here this our home our homestead our our property is 
is calming to me is where I need to be. Well, you guys have set it up so beautifully too that it is a space that you don't have to leave and you don't want to leave. No. Yeah. I've mm-hmm. spent lots of time here and it always <laughs> feels like coming home when you when you get here. Mm-hmm. Even just driving driving up because the way that your driveway kind of comes up and then around to the left and you can't see the house just until you crest that hill to come down. And every time just the vista of looking at your house as you have it set up with your gardens and everything. It's, it's my favorite is when I get here and the kids are outside mm-hmm. and then they run up the driveway like, da-da! Mm-hmm. Yeah, safe haven for sure. That's my safe haven is here. There you go, see? Everyone's got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cuba, but... <laughs> and Cuba. Are you guys going to go back next year? Uh, we're talking about taking the kids somewhere, mm-hmm. um, whether it's staying local-ish whether it's somewhere in the States or taking them to an all-inclusive or something. Mm-hmm. We just haven't decided. But I think they're at the, the good age that they truly appreciate it and remember and and value it wh- how we want them to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, there's some ears slapping, flapping for you. Pig's going to bed. <laughs> yeah, she's putting herself to bed. Well, yeah, it's almost our bedtime too. Well, we're kind of like Nana, so. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. I hope that the listeners love that too. I oh, she just she shut up. the door. <laughs> she did shut the door. <laughs> good night, Peg. Yeah, good night, Peg. Sleep tight. And then you can see Tubby walking down the hall too. It's funny because the back of Tubby's legs, it's almost like his hawks touch, and then his feet are super wide, so he's got a funny waddle. <laughs> oh God, I love it here. <laughs> anyway well yeah that's that so guys thank you so much for listening to us ramble on another episode of the safe haven podcast please make sure that you subscribe like share these episodes and comment as you follow along your generous support keeps the sharing and messages coming your way you can find the safe haven podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, and on podbean you can also hear joe coming up the driveway <laughs> Oh, I love it. I can't wait to see him. I haven't seen him in a while. So guys, follow along on Instagram at the Safe Haven Podcast. And I will talk to you next week.